Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. He's got a passion for financial education. Tom Gein Ween is co-founder of ReitsScreener.com and ProButterfly.com. He is an avid real estate investor and equity investor, has been for about the past 10 years. And he's co-founder of an independent investment site that helps investors trade like the pros and level up their investments in REITs. In 2017, he published his very first book, REITs to Riches, Everything You Need to Know About Investing Profit in REITs, and that's become a bestseller. REITs to Riches is a course that he teaches. He tells me he's just uh, wrapped up one of the courses, and uh, it's still ongoing, and that course is a Skills Future Credits Claimable course. Just terrific. Ween, how are you this morning? Hello. Good morning, Michelle. Good to have you back. I'm good. Good to hear. How are you doing? I'm well. I wanted to get a report card of how REITs are doing uh, because I see that, you know, people are out and about and there's a, a lot of buzz in terms of the reopening of Singapore's economy. But before we start, I think we should take a look at the iEdge REIT index, sort of the benchmarks for REITs performance in Singapore. The top five best performing smaller cap REITs of the index year to date through April 8th, ARA Logos Host Logistics Trust, Sabana Sharia Compliant REIT, ARA US Hospitality Trust, First REIT, Lipo Malls Indonesia Retail Trust. I'm going to get into more details in just a bit. So, Ween, the reopening of our economy, work from home, no longer default. I know because I'm always stuck in traffic these days. Uh, what is your Report card of how SREITs have been performing so far. Oh, okay. So I, I think uh, the REITs in the real estate sector is now really, really big on the STI. I mean, over 2019, 2020, there were so many REITs got added to the STI. And on top of that, we had our big cap developers on there. Real estate is a big part of the Singapore market, actually. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I would say I would break down the performance of the REITs uh, ba- based on their sectors. And I think uh, some sectors have definitely done better than others in this COVID situation. And uh, I, I think the evergreen REITs has always been doing well. Some of them have surpassed their 2019 highs as well, like the data centers, the fiber optics, those specialty industrials and e-commerce and logistics players, especially when they are brand name sponsors. They did really, really well. Um, the, of course, uh, there are some uh, REITs that uh, took a bit longer, especially when they are larger scale, more general purpose industrial. So those... Um, well, I think they'll recover, but uh, a lot slower. Going on to the retail side, I think uh, there's a small gap that I noticed. Of course, uh, everything's uh, moving up, but uh, the retail sector, some are uh, more healthy than others. I would say the suburban retail uh, malls, they're they are still crowded. People, people are still visiting them. People are buying more per trip, even though the number of foot, foot traffic has come down compared to 2019, but they're still healthy. The ones in the central Orchard Road ones are, I don't think they've really recovered to their pre-2019 situation yet. Um, so a bit of a laggard, but I think uh, I'm, I'm optimistic they will recover time as the economy opens up and also when now they're attracting a lot more domestic food traffic. And hopefully when our borders reopen, we'll see a bit of surge to Orchard Road, hopefully. I'm 
cautiously optimistic on that. <laughs> on the hospitality front, the hotels, I think none of the pure play REITs in the hotel industry is actually recovered back to its 2019 highs. So I think you can see this is a sector that definitely, I wouldn't even call it laggard, but I think it's really struggling to even recover. And it's not even across the reads, as you can see. So this is my personal view. I think COVID-19 really dealt a structural blow to the travel sector, especially to the business travel sector. As uh, more business digitalized mm. over the course of 2020, a lot of them are cutting down on non-essential business travel. They'll be more selective on their cost controls on what is essential, what is not essential. And the fact that, you know, if you've been able to communicate with your overseas clients or co-workers for this long, you probably don't have to travel. <laughs> and I think they really are in a difficult situation, so structurally for the hospitality reads. Mm. Next up is the office reads. So uh, I think there were a lot of negative press on offices throughout the 2020 situation. You know, everyone's working from home, circuit breakers. Um, and uh, I think the office sector really, really had bad press all over the place. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for the pun. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, um, I think um, I, I'm seeing some stabilization, I think, in the, in the rentals going forward. And uh, I think that the occupancy rates are still decently healthy. Um, there's some subleasing activity going on, um, but still better than most people expect. And now we are in a reopening. People, as you, as you said, more traffic jams. People are coming back to the offices uh, slowly but surely. So I think um, it's not all doom and gloom in the office sector, and I'm quite optimistic that it will come back. Okay, let's dive in a little deeper into this whole area of office space. Some see a segmentation of grade A, grade B office space. Catherine Ho, Associate Director at CBRE, saying a gradual recovery of Singapore's economy and uh, raised office demand supported by gains in employment contribute to optimism surrounding the midterm market outlook. And some believe that grade A offices could lead the recovery of Singapore's office markets in 2021. Uh, what do you think? Do you think this we're going to see a sort of a hybrid model uh, moving forward? And what does this mean for the, the future of office REITs? Okay. Um, I think uh, this work from home is definitely here to stay. I do I do uh, kind of agree. I think the graded offices will definitely lead the recovery, uh, especially with the strong multinationals still around. They still need to have their presence in Singapore, show that they are, they, they are here to stay. I think that's an important important part um on 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 different survey results i think uh, employers are also saying there's a mixed results right now we're getting mixed signals some employers are saying we are uh, we have loss of productivity and some employers are saying we have no loss of productivity so i think the office sector is a interesting one to watch uh, but my personal view is um we we are seeing some banks insurance companies and some companies really are moving into subleasing spaces some of them are also rationalizing their headcount. Some of them also have a lot more work-from-home policy. So that's actually uh, over, over 2020 sort of uh, created more, more, more supply into the market. But on the other hand, we have the big tech companies, you know, you know Alibaba is pushing their Lazada brand, Tencent, ByteDance, you know, the owner mm-hmm. of TikTok, they are, they are really committed to expanding in Singapore and they're saying Singapore is, you know, going to be 
uh, regional HQ for some of these. I guess we are a beneficiary from Hong Kong in some ways. You know, um, ByteDance just signed uh, 20,000 square feet in Marina and all that. Mm. So they are taking up the slack left over. And on top of that, some of the developers, you know, especially in the CBD areas, mm-hmm. they, they, they had a delay in their projects. I mean, some of them uh, due to circuit breaker phase one, phase two, which they couldn't start work. And I think this pushes the on-stream incoming supply uh, pushed, pushed a bit back. So going forward, I think with all the social distancing measures as well, that's required in the office workplace, um, employers will likely have to reduce the office density per employee. So therefore, there will be more floor space per employee. So I think work from home is definitely here to stay. Um, Grade A offices, I think, will lead the recovery. Mm. Um, And there are multiple reasons. The low uh, lower density per employee, that's what I said, uh, slower incoming supply due to the 2020 construction delays, mm-hmm. expansion of tech companies that will stabilize rental and stabilize the demand from the, from the floor spaces that are released by, them, by, by the other companies. And I think um, employers will call back people you know, to, uh, uh, for those of them who believe that the productivity has been lost throughout this work-from-home situation. Okay, but uh, the office is here to stay. I believe the offices are here to stay. And unlike in the US or Australia, where, where people have big houses, we, we've got a lot smaller residential houses. Not everyone can work from home. Mm. Not always conducive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we are going to see repurposing, do you think, of offices? Or oh, office, for some sure. office space. For sure. I think offices are here to stay. But I think how they're going to be used will start to shift. And I, I, I agree with you. I think we'll see more spec bills. We'll see more flexible spaces, more meeting rooms, more conference rooms, likely to be more hot desking going forward. Office is still required. It's the silent communicator of the company's brand. Mm. And I think it's just the way it, it will be used will shift a little. Well said. Now, let's take a di- deeper dive at the retail scene. Uh, we know when we hear the headlines, Robinsons has left Singapore, Dimbula has closed down. But if we look elsewhere across the world, US, CBL Properties, Pennsylvania REIT, also filed for bankruptcy protection. So when it comes to the retail scene, some say that COVID's just exacerbated uh, the trend of people moving online for their buys. So should investors still be looking at retail REITs as attractive opportunities? Oh, yeah. I think there's definitely structural shifts in the retail sector and uh, investors should definitely be on a watch. But uh, I think there are strategies to go by and there are strategies that we can play along the way. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to retail, I would definitely split the retail scene into sort of three sections. One is what I would call heartland retail or or, or um, uh, necessity-based retail. This is the things that you need to do every day. These are the, the, the shopping malls close to your home. It's just a convenient walk or just two bus stops away or it's where, the, where people stay. It's a residential cluster. So I think those will uh, continue to thrive, uh, not just in Singapore, in high-density countries like Hong Kong as well. Um, on the other hand, uh, I think there are the ultra-luxury uh, sector where the internet just doesn't, you know, doesn't it doesn't work if you are buying a Patek Philippe watch because you know buying buying these goods and luxury goods is part of the experience, right? And the internet can't take over that. So I, w- I would say these these two sectors are, are areas that people really should look at uh, from a tradi- 
traditional retail brick and mortar perspective. But in between, um, where uh, there is a general purpose retail, where there's very low differentiation, it's commodity based, um, uh, it's far away from, from people's homes, I would say that area is something you probably don't want to touch. And in, in the US, it's a sprawling country, and that's why you see a lot of bankruptcy. It's a sprawling country. People, people drive to the malls, and the mall itself doesn't have, a, what should I say, doesn't have its, a, a real draw. A lot of the malls is just a consolidation of different brands, and th- those you can just buy online. So I would say uh, you probably want to avoid that, and probably the strategy is to play e-commerce REITs in, in that space rather than playing traditional brick and mortar. So e-commerce is definitely well in life. I think it's a super cycle trend. It will continue. COVID has accelerated it. But brick and mortar is here to stay. Just make sure you play in high-density countries like Singapore and Hong Kong. Make sure you play those that cannot be easily you know, taken over by the internet. Um, and uh, make sure you, you stay with the uh, necessity base or the ultra-luxury place. Everything in between, e-commerce is. E-commerce reads are the strategy. That's my view. Okay, so um, can you give us some a, a breakdown of the principles that we're looking for with retail REITs, maybe in terms of geography or in terms of uh, the kind of tenants they have in their portfolio? Okay, so... Um, if you play brick and mortar, I will probably prefer if the REITs, the tenant profile of the REITs have, say, very necessity-based uh, kind of tenants. So, for example, supermarkets, mm-hmm. uh, cooked food stores, uh, uh, um, uh, restaurants, clinics, opticians, pharmacists. Make sure there's a big anchor tenant draw. And this anchor tenant draw could be the supermarket or the grocery anchor. And with that draw, that people will come and say, oh, you know what? I also need to fix my glasses and the opticians. Oh, oh, I need my, my regular drug or vitamins. And then we go to pharmacies. So that way, uh, it creates a lot of natural food traffic. And the retail offering will not be easily challenged by, by, um, by e-commerce, especially when there are a lot of them are also... Uh, high, high uh, volume, low value goods. It's very expensive to actually do deliveries. And it's just convenient there. And in terms of Singapore, you know, pretty much high density everywhere you look. I mean, is there a major differentiation between the suburban malls and, and the ones down in Orchard Road? Uh, is there a major difference? I think uh, there, there are. The proportion of... Uh, Necessity-based is definitely a lot higher in the suburban malls. And they also play a social role. I mean, mm-hmm. considering our, our houses are a bit smaller, so we don't always necessarily host people in our houses. We like to meet people outside, of course, limited to eight now still. <laughs> <laughs> we, and and these, these malls play that social role. So they, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're essential to part of the Singapore or Hong Kong life, right? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's inconvenient to have eight people in a small house. That's yeah. a very good point. Yeah. Mm. That, so the luxury the necessary malls, infrastructure almost of our yeah. housing estates. Yeah. So the luxury malls will, of course, realizing this, will try to target the locals in this current environment. Mm. Uh, of course, until the borders open. 
Yeah, still waiting for tourists to flood in. All right, when we come back, uh, we ask the question, what should you be buying? It's a current low interest rate environment. So should you buy into a REIT or should you buy into real estate? <laughs> oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, honestly, my, my view is REITs and real estate are one in the same thing, you know. So it's never a bad time to buy REITs. It's never a bad time to buy real estate. Um, and I think a lot of people always confuse the situation. Oh, it's a good time to buy now. It's a bad time to buy real estate. Mm. It's because they are so, uh, a lot of them are focused on, overly focused on the residential sector. Yeah. But the different sectors actually have different waves and different cycles. And they're not necessarily in tune with each other. So I would say that never a good or bad time to buy REITs. It's just, uh, or, or, or real estate for that matter. Where, where is the sector that makes the most sense? Um, just just a case in point, uh, we have got history to show us. Um, back, back in 2012 to 2015, I'm not sure if you remember, there were a lot of uh, cooling measures that came onto the real estate sector in the residential space in Singapore. And so when that happened, um, a lot of uh, people started to swap and rush to, um, to purchase the, uh, the industrial or the office sector. And that actually drove prices of the other sectors upwards. Well, if you were just dead focused on the residential sector, you would have completely missed that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So coming now, I think um, COVID, COVID has definitely um, uh, given us some opportunities. I think... Um, a lot of people are, are uh, uh, at least in 2020, a lot of people were bearish about retail. A lot of people were very bearish about offices, especially. And I thought that was actually my opportunity to get into the REIT space. So, um, but your main question was actually about interest rates. So um, I've been tracking the interest rates of the top 10 REITs, the bottom 10 REITs in terms of market cap in Singapore. And I've noticed an interesting trend in terms of their cost of debt. And the cost of that has been very stable when um, interest rates were rising since 2005, 2008. And their, their cost was actually pretty uh, stable. So which means that they were refinancing, they were getting good loans, they were taking advantage of their sponsors, uh, high credit worthiness to actually secure qual- uh, high, uh, low interest rates. And interestingly now, with, with the interest rates plunging uh, since 2020 until now, a lot of REITs have taken the opportunity to refinance at a lower interest rate. So the cost of debt for REITs are coming down, which actually is good for their overall uh, pro- profitability or, um, and, and therefore ability to pay dividends in the future once their revenue streams come, come back. The evergreen REITs, on the other hand, their revenue stream has hardly been hit. They're still growing. Uh, the, the, the big cap logistics REITs, the big cap data center REITs, they're still doing well. Um, in terms of revenue. So I think um, that's, that's no good or bad time to buy. But turning back to, 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 the, to the real estate sector, I think um, if, you are, if you're playing um, the uh, real estate, actual physical real estate sector, um, I think, uh, again, if you find a good buy, and what is a good buy? A good buy is where you can invest, you can purchase a real estate, you know you can easily rent it out, you have your target market in mind, um, the, the, the numbers make sense. And what I mean by numbers make sense, um, your cash flow, your rentals able to cover the bank loans, mortgage, or, or have surplus over and above that amount. And now with interest rates lower, that's a lot easier to do. So if you can find a unit that can do that, be it in industrial, be it in uh, logistics, be it even residential, I think that's the right buy. 
And uh, interesting that you ask. Um, right now, I've uh, actually gotten all my loans uh, structured out. I've mm. got my loans between, that's for my physical real estate, anywhere between 0.7% to 0.88%. So, that, so we can definitely achieve a below one interest rate in this environment right when now. When did you refinance to that? Uh, over, over the course of the uh, last few uh, years. And in fact, this, uh. um, and, and one that I just signed uh, recently this month. This is a floating rate, right? This is a float on a floating rate basis. based on Cybor, then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, based on Sora, actually. I've uh, Sora. decided. Yeah, I've decided to actually switch some of my loans to Sora, um, and the reasons because well, the market's moving towards Sora. Yeah, and you're you're a couple of years ahead. I think everybody's going to have to do that in twenty twenty three <laughs> or so. <laughs> yeah, so I think. So the banks are gonna come and force me to renegotiate anyway with my cyborg rate. So why not, why not just sign the next Sora package? <laughs> ah, okay, interesting. So you've locked in packages that ranged uh, about zero point eight, zero point seven, right? Yeah, from between zero point seven percent to zero point eight eight. Of course, because it's it's on Sora, um, uh, it, it will float. Yeah. Uh, but my my view is. In the, in the, on the average case, I mean, everything goes up and down, but on the average case, I think interest rates are likely to stay low for longer. Uh, Southeast Asia, together with Europe, together with the US, they are running out of a lot of uh, monetary methods of stimulating the economy. So they are likely, in my view, to, to keep interest rates low for longer, and that's likely beneficial for assets classes in general. What were you looking for when you looked at the real estate market? Did you, what did you think of... Uh the new launches. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the curious fellow who actually do, do look at the new launches and floor plans. Uh, I'm not sure if I should be saying this on national radio. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've actually found the, um, the, the, the units are just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm. Like over the years, just a simple two-bedroom condominium. I mean, it, um, Almost 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, they were launching at about 1,000 square feet and went down to 900 square feet, 800 square feet, 700 square feet. And now some of them are pushing the 700 square feet to, to just below to the 600 over. Wow. On a stupid room. room. I think, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I've been looking at the layouts as well, um, some interesting um, things. So how, how they have actually maxed out a lot of space, a lot of wasted spaces like big balconies, a lot of aircon ledges, and, uh, and some, 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 some it looks big on paper, but actually if you really look at it, they're double volume calculations. So, so oh, after a lot of uh, look, look and feel the resident, this specific residential, of course, um, uh-huh. I, I always felt that right now, I think if you are going to commit to a residential property, it's, a resale is likely to be a better buy. You're likely to find more uh, interesting buys. You're likely to, and over time, uh, as long as your rental can cover your bank loads, these new launches, I think, are going to set new prices, new records. And when they set new records, all the resale market are going to start to look at that and say, hey, you know what? That new launch launched at this. Why should I sell at a lower price? And that's, I think, will slowly drive up prices of the market. Of course, uh, the unknown uh, thing in the, uh, in the whole equation is what the Singapore government will do with regards to cooling measures. Will they implement new ones? So that remains to be seen. Absolutely. Yes. We've got 
tons more of questions we'd like to put to Ween, so we're going to have to get him back. Ween, thanks very much for joining us this morning. Always a joy to speak with you. All right. Glad I'm of some value. Always, always great insights. Samgin Ween is co-founder of ReedScreener.com, ProButterfly.com. You can check out his book. It's called Reeds to Riches. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.